Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you so much for joining us on WellMed Radio. We're delighted to have you on board. I'm Ron Aaron, and our guest today will be on in just a couple of moments to talk about a very important topic, boosting heart health. But first, let me introduce our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. She's board certified in family medicine. Dr. Charles has her doctor of osteopathy degree with a major in biology, a minor in chemistry from Texas A&M University and College Station. She earned that medical degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth. Dr. Charles completed her family medicine residency at the Christus Spahn Memorial Hospital in Corpus Christi. And as always, Dr. Charles, we're delighted to have you on. Happy to be here, Ron. And you chose a practice now that deals predominantly with Medicare eligible seniors. Why is that of interest to you? You know, I grew up very close to my grandparents. I remember feeling very comfortable, you know, speaking with adults and having, you know, that population, you know, family members that I was always close to. I think it just became very natural to me to have these relationships with my seniors, with my older patients. Um, And I feel that I can communicate very well with them. Um, although I did enjoy full, you know, full spectrum family practice, and I did do that for a few years. Um, I think this lets me focus a little bit more on individual patients, on their conditions, and it made me a little bit better at uh, treating some of their problems. So, Let's introduce a physician from down in Florida who also sees predominantly seniors, uh, Dr. Cecil Suwa Singh, is at the Cypress Village WellMed Clinic uh, down near Sarasota, Florida. Earned his medical degree at Tiber State Medical Academy in Kalnin, Russia. Completed his residency in internal medicine at Memorial Hospital in Rhode Island, Pawtucket. He's a fellow of the American College of Physicians. And Dr. Suwa Singh is board certified in internal medicine. And Dr. Suwa Singh, before we uh, go on, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, delighted to be here. Now, I'd asked you off the air, and I think our listeners uh, would probably be interested because uh, I've been doing this show for many years now, and you're the first physician we've had on who went to medical school in Russia. And you were telling me why that happened. Yes, uh, basically, I'm from a, a small country in South America called Guyana, British Guyana. And um, to seek uh, at that time when I was uh, uh, going to school, there was not a medical school back home. So I had to seek alternative methods of getting educated. And one of the opportunities I got was to go to Russia to study medicine. And the medical school was located in a town near what? What would we know? It's, uh, it's uh, two hours north. It's a small college town, two hours north of Moscow between Moscow and St. Petersburg. And for, from your experience there, how would it compare with uh, the college campuses we find elsewhere? Well, it's, 
in compare it's an old it's an old school um so it's more like something like at um if you're familiar with the university of florida it's something more like that but it's widespread because the clinics are are all over it also has a dental department also and this school was actually a branch of uh, St. Petersburg Medical School. At one time, they wanted to bring medical schools uh, closer to the community. Interesting. Uh, and the other part of it is you had to learn Russian. Right. Uh, tuition is primarily with Russian. You integrate with a Russian student. So um, you would normally study the language for one year prior to going to medical school and everything is taught in Russian. That's incredible because medical is, school is hard enough and you almost feel like you're learning a new language with all of the medical terms and the conditions that you're learning. So to learn all of that plus in a different language, that's very impressive. Well, we salute you for that accomplishment. That's incredible. Uh, and, and then coming uh, following graduation, uh, you come back to the United States, moved to Rhode Island. Uh, it had to be like a sea change for you. It was somewhat, but the, the main reason I came to the States, my mother had immigrated while I was abroad, and she was now living in the United States. So I came here, and it was difficult transitioning back because everything I learned was in Russian, and I had to basically, but the knowledge <clears throat> base was the same. You know, so and so I did my internship actually in Brooklyn, New York. And then after then, I went to Rhode Island at, um, at Brown there and they're completing my residency. Well, going to Brooklyn, you're learning a whole new language also. People <laughs> in Brooklyn don't speak our English. All right. And there's a lot of Russians in the areas. You know, yes. Coney Island is very close. Little Russia is very close by. Oh, that's pretty cool. So uh, unlike most physicians in those institutions, you could speak Russian with some of your patients. That's correct. That's really interesting because here, Spanish is the critical language. And Dr. Charles, who is uh, fluent in Spanish, bilingual, uh, speaks Spanish with many of her patients. How would you do with Russian, Marissa? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was trying to see if I could pick up a little French. You're doing one of those little Duolingo, the little apps. And it's, you know, learning another language, it takes a lot of concentration and skill. And I don't know. I think that it would take probably a whole year just to get familiar with the language itself because it's even a different alphabet or no? Is it the same alphabet, Russian? No, the Russian alphabet is different. It's a different alphabet. So, right? Yes, it's a Slavic language, so the alphabet is completely different. Totally different. However, uh, Dr. Charles, if you want to learn it, uh, there is an app you can add. If it's not already on your iPhone, uh, you can change your keys to uh, uh, Cyrillic to the Russian language. Oh, okay. I so guess. go ahead for it. <laughs> well, let me remind folks who may have just joined us, this is not the language hour. You're listening to WellMed Radio I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and our very special guest is talking to us from Cypress Village down in Florida, Dr. Cecil Suwasing, and we're going to switch from talking about his experience, which is fascinating to me, uh, to the whole question of boosting your heart health, because whether you're living here or in the former Soviet Union, it doesn't matter, 
what is the similarity? We all have a heart. And Dr. Sua Singh, what is it you'd like us to know about taking care of our hearts? Well, foremost, I like um, especially your listeners to realize that the heart is actually a muscular pump. It's a pump that is necessary to circulate um, blood to give nutrition to all our vital organs in our body. So taking care of our heart is, is very essential. And um, listeners need to know that the heart also has um, an electrical circuit as well as a plumbing circuit. And most times when people speak about heart disease, they think to think of coronary artery disease, which is actually the plumbing or plumbing of the heart normally gets blocked up with cholesterol deposits. But also there is an electrical system and speaking in general about heart disease is such a vast topic that it encompasses um, many different aspects, not only the structure of the heart, but also our electrical and plumbing system of the heart. So to keep your, your heart healthy, um, you need to keep those systems going, working appropriately, just like the, the pump of your motor vehicle. You know, if it doesn't work, your car wouldn't go anywhere. So it's very essential to keep those systems going. And how do we go about that? But there is one uh, particular thing about the heart, being a muscle, like unlike our skeletal muscle, if the heart gets damaged, most times the, that muscle does not regenerate itself and leaves a scar tissue. And every time your heart gets damaged more, there's less pumping action for your heart. So to keep your heart healthy, it's necessary uh, that your blood pressure, which is an essential component, should be at the optimal level. So your heart does not have to fatigue itself trying to pump against a higher blood pressure. Also exercise, you know, exercise, which is very uh, helpful. I know you do have a heart problem and you, uh, one of your uh, program was dealing with uh, cardiac rehab where you spoke with uh, Rachel Stoltz. Um, who explained in detail, you know, how do we get our heart pumping better? You know, so exercise is very, very essential for that. Uh, Doctor, for those of you who may not have heard that program with uh, nurse Rachel Stoltz, I was talking with her about the cardiac rehab program that uh, WellMed offers here in San Antonio and similar programs are offered uh, all over the country. And I'd mentioned on that show when we talked about uh, my dealing with AFib and other uh, conditions that uh, were really benefited by uh, participating in a cardiac rehab program. And that's what uh, Dr. Uh, Suha Singh was referring to. Wow, it's nice to know that you listened to one of our programs. I'm, I'm really impressed. Thank you. Thank you. When you talk to someone who has <laughs> a heart condition, uh, do you have access uh, to those kinds of rehab programs that we talked about here and we'll pick that up in just a moment. We thank you so much for being with us. If you've just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our very special guest, Dr. Cecil Suwa Singh at the WellMed Clinic in Cypress Village in Florida. And our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, is with us. You're listening to WellMed Radio. Just imagine, imagine finding a doctor who listens 
Imagine a doctor who cares, who takes the time to understand you and your lifestyle better. Imagine an entire care team dedicated to helping you live your best life. Well, you don't have to imagine. WellMed is redefining aging with our unique approach to care, designed by physicians to help you stay as healthy as possible. Learn more about our recognized model of care at discoverwellmed.com. Well, we are so appreciative of you listening to WellMed Radio and sticking with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. We're talking on our WellMed Radio hotline from Cypress Village in Florida with Dr. Cecil Suwa Singh. And Dr. Singh is a board-certified physician in internal medicine. He's a member of the American College of Physicians. And we're talking about heart health and ways in which you can boost that heart health. And, And doctor, would you talk a little bit about some of the conditions that can affect the heart. I, I mentioned AFib, and, and not everybody knows what that is, for example. What is AFib? Well, atrial fibrillation, which is AFib, is uh, uh, an irregular heart rate. And um, as I mentioned prior, there, it's, it's a, a complication regarding your electrical system of the heart. So with atrial fibrillation, everyone has an Apple Watch. So a lot of people are very astute about atrial fibrillation now, but the danger of atrial fibrillation that it can cause strokes. So it's very essential that if you have atrial fibrillation that your doctor should know about it uh, before you do have a stroke. Um, with atrial fibrillation, it also decreases the function of your heart. The pumping action of your heart is not as optimizes uh, prior if your heart is pumping at the regular rhythm. So uh, atrial fibrillation results in decreased function of your heart. Most of the symptoms that people get with atrial fibrillation could be dizziness or just being feeling just fatigue on the whole. So it's very essential that this rhythm be detected at an early stage and treated appropriately. When you say treat it appropriately, what do you do for it? Well, the first thing you want to see if you can get the atrial fibrillation, which is um, back into its normal rhythm. And there are many reasons why this can happen. It could be a sign that you do have a problem with the plumbing of your heart. You may have coronary artery disease, which leads to inadequate uh, inadequate uh, circulation to the muscles of your heart, or it could be a problem with the electrical system of your heart, where they have several different um, chaotic uh, discharges from your heart. So anticoagulation, which everyone uh, should be on, depending on what there's, it's called a CHAD score, depending on your risk factors, whether or not you need anticoagulation and what so kind of anticoagulation. That is a blood thinner, yes. That is a blood thinner. So you need a blood thinner to keep the blood uh, thin so you do not develop clots within your heart, which can further go to your head and cause a stroke, you know. Which nobody wants. No one wants that. Some people, unfortunately, do not find out that they have atrial fibrillation until they've had a a stroke. 
but now with many people using the Apple Watch, which can detect atrial fibrillation, more are very astute about this con uh, condition at present. That's interesting. I have an Apple Watch, and uh, uh, I can check uh, what my heart rate and blood rhythm is. Uh, and most of the time, what I get back is, we can't tell whether you're in atrial fibrillation or not. Talk to your doctor. And that's that you know that you do have the atrial fibrillation. Right. Except right. The, the real question, and, and uh, Dr. Sue was saying, is whether you're in normal sinus rhythm, which would be the normal kind of heartbeat uh, versus uh, in AFib. And can people tell? Yeah. I can't, for example. I can't tell the difference whether my heart is working right or not. Can other people tell? Some people may be able to uh, figure that out. You know, if they have some complaints of dizziness or you check your pulse, whether it's, uh, it's beating regularly or irregular. But uh, it's always best to go to your doctor, have an EKG. Sometimes people have what's called paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. They don't always have atrial fibrillation. You know, there are some times when the, the heart rate can be irregular. As I like to say, there's a certain uh, a saying that once a fibber, always a fibber. You know, that's the short of atrial fibrillation. Most people, they are atrial fibrillation for, for life, and they have to be in anticoagulation for prolonged periods of time. And the more mature you are, the higher risk that you can have a stroke. More mature you are, meaning older More people? senior. I like to be a little bit uh, like diplomatic that. with that. Yeah, the Yiddish term would be Alta Cocker, old people. <laughs> I'm one of those people, knock wood, uh, and uh, I've got a pacemaker, so uh, they get a, a reading out every day if they want. Uh, I'm in normal sinus rhythm, knock wood, all the time. I don't flip back and forth. Is that yes, typical, that is, atypical? No. You know, there's certainly people that will go back and forth, that will go in and out of that atrial fibrillation. And I would say a lot of my patients don't necessarily feel it. Um, I've had a few that will tell me, yeah, you know, I feel a little maybe like a fluttering or a, a, a little palpitation, you know, right. sensation or, or dizziness, you know, when you're trying to walk around, that certainly could be indicative, but it's for most people, it isn't. Um, so we often will, will discover atrial fibrillation on a new patient, either um, with the exam there in the room or, you know, routine EKG, we might pick it up. So, um, you know, uh, another good reason why regular uh, evaluations with your primary care doctor are important. And if there's symptoms, of course, so that we can work it up. And, and Dr. Uh... So I was saying, what other conditions of the heart uh, should we be aware of? I know you mentioned uh, problems with arteries and cholesterol. Uh, are there other conditions that can cause problems? For example, leaky valves. Yeah, leaky valves and structural heart disease are also a problem. Um, the most common um, leaky, leaky valves are things like um, mitral valve regurgitation, where they or if the structure of the heart has changed, the valves, because of their position, will start to leak. It's like the valve of your pipe. As, you, as it grows older, you know, the, the valves tend to wear themselves out. It can be from 
various different reasons because of either the pressure they have had to work under, under prolonged condition, or it may be just if they had some sort of rheumatic heart disease or so, you can have uh, leaky valves, though rheumatic heart disease is not as prominent as it was many years ago because of good treatment that we currently have. But um, commonly, most of my mature patients, they tend to have what's called aortic stenosis. And uh, they, they have different procedures. They have very good procedures, which I heard mentioned in your show um, with Rachel about what's called a TAVR, T-A-V-R, which is a trans um, aortic valve replacement, which they can replace your valve without actually having to cut your chest out, you know, cut your, your, your chest. They just go through your groin and that valve can be repaired in many of our mature patients. I know, you know, the, yeah, the, the idea of having to have a, a big open heart surgery is daunting, you know, and, and definitely a lot harder to recover from as opposed to something that can be done through a vein. Absolutely. That's a and, and, marvel of modern medicine. I, I read somewhere that uh, for quite a period of time, uh, there have been uh, pig valves used uh, to replace human valves. Is that correct, doctor? Right. They're pig valves. They're also cow valves. And they're, uh, they're also valves that they can use from uh, autosynthetic materials also. So many of those can be used. And they're also mechanical valves in the um, early stages of valve replacement. They use mechanical valves at that time. Yeah, those were pretty loud. You could hear those you when you hear walk them? in the room. Mm-hmm. Really? The, the older mechanical valves. So they click? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And when you put a stethoscope on there, you got to turn the volume down. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> wow. What other issues that, uh, especially for seniors or mature patients, as you referenced, uh, should we be aware of? Uh, and what can we do to prevent them? Well, it- they're also, as I mentioned, most people, when they think of um, heart disease, they think of coronary artery disease. And many patients, um, if you do have risk factors, there are certain risk factors that come with heart disease. There are some which I, uh, can be reversed and uh, some that are not reversible. Like, for example, if you're a male or your genetic predisposition, those are things that you cannot change. While there are other factors that you can probably change regarding smoking is a big one, right? Smoking enhances uh, your heart disease, Um, use of alcohol, um, diabetes. You're twice as likely to have heart disease if you're diabetic. Also high cholesterol, some of this may be familial or it could be due on your dietary habits, you know? And of course, uh, the big elephant in the room is obesity. You know, um, Americans, are fo- Americans are very fortunate that food is not a problem in this country. As a result, a lot of people are obese and overweight. So reducing some of those risk factors can greatly enhance um, the function of your heart and lead you to a longer life. Also, the use of statins have really changed um, 
the uh, heart disease. You know, many people don't die from heart diseases before because of um, either primary or secondary prevention to prevent um, uh, heart disease. Now, statins are used to control cholesterol? Right. So the that's often a, a point that I try to make with my patients because we do still have patients that are reluctant or intolerant um, regarding the, the statins. You know, if you don't tolerate due to side effects, that's one thing. But I also have a lot of patients that are just reluctant to take the statins for whatever reason. But, you know, I try to explain that, yes, um, that particular invention, the, the, when the statins came out, that's when we really started to see a reduction in people dying from heart disease. Well, we are flat out of time, and we really thank you for coming on. Uh, Dr. Cecil Suwa Singh at the Cypress Village WellMed Clinic in Florida. On behalf of our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you all for joining us today on WellMed Radio. Executive producers for WellMed Radio are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibera and Maurice Hudson. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio. Did you know people with Medicare may switch to Medicare Advantage plan with the rating of five stars anytime during the year? Plans are rated from one to five stars on how well they manage preventive care such as screenings and immunizations, chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and respiratory illnesses and their customers' experience. Five-star plans don't cost more. For links to Medicare plan information and more, visit wellmed365.com.